I'll be honest. There's, you know, if people count down and the guitarist of my favorite band comes out, then I'm going to still be excited. Uh, but you know, there's, a, there's shittier guitarists out there that could have come well, out. But... It's, it's funny. Cause I was actually thinking that where, cause I feel like I don't remember specifically, but I feel like the butcher came out at like, like sixth or something like that. And like the first five had been pretty decent, like upper mid card guys, like guys that are getting pretty good pops. Uh, like Suzuki was one of them. Yeah. So like, they started with like the people the fans wanted to see and then the butcher was like the first or second of the like flotsam and he didn't like it was like everyone had been popping and then he comes out and people are like uh and i was wondering that i'm like i'm surprised he doesn't get a bigger pop just from his band you know like you'd think i mean boston you'd think would be a good every time i die spot you'd think so yeah they're very much an east coast band yeah they're an east coast band yeah yeah, I was actually I, you, you. You reminded me facts. I was a little sad because I, when I saw that Suzuki showed up for the Royal Rampage, I'm like, "Well, they gotta use him for a Collision or the ROH thing." No, nope. Neither you nor I got to see Suzuki, but he was in the Royal Rampage for like four minutes yeah. before getting just <laughs> dumped by like Big Bill or something. Is he? Is he? Is he even doing GCW shows? Did he fly all the way to America just for the Royal Rampage. Well, and again, he didn't do anything in it. He wasn't in it for that long. I don't think he, there was no angle. He just kind of was in for a couple of minutes and then just got dumped. Was he just there to babysit Ibushi? Maybe. They're just, all the the veterans have to take turns. That's like the New Japan office is like, okay, we're not going to be mad that you signed Ibushi, even though we, we still got a little bit of heat with him. But, like, we need one of our veterans around at all times to make sure he's not, like, talking too much shit. We don't want him in the same room as Meltzer (laughs) or Sean Stapp. (laughs) He gets anywhere near Sean Stapp. Suzuki's been told he has he could use lethal force to neutralize him. (laughs) Well, let me do an intro right now so that the people know it is a show and they're not just listening to a phone call between us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey everybody welcome to another episode of predetermined pro wrestling hangout i'm your host garrett calendar and with me as always the other two hosts of this show chris miggs and jimmy fax Woo. we uh so garrett how many uh how many hours of wrestling in new jersey did you watch last week wrestling in new jersey uh how many were there was there what eight Sorry, Darby. I just watched Darby Allen do a dive into Shane Strickland and landed. Oh, God. Like he didn't land on his head, but he did. It was a great magic trick. If oh, yuck, that guy, he looks like his arm is dead now. That, sorry. He knows how um, to fake breaking his neck. Don't worry. He'll be fine. Um, what was that in New Jersey? What am I? What am I? Uh, there was like nine hours of AEW slash ROH taped in New Jersey over the weekend. Well, and Bass it, it, and I were it, there for like most of those. In like a 28 hour period to the point that I remember I'm I was at the ROH pay-per-view and like I want to say Samoa Joe was on like second and I just go to our friend Andrew and I'm just like, why is the Samoa Joe Dalton Castle matchup second? Like, I feel like that'd be pretty high up the card, like, or first, I guess. 
And he's like, yeah, you know, Joe's probably wrestling at least once tomorrow in Newark. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Joe's probably literally got to go home. You know, Joe knows New Jersey. He's not a New Jersey guy, but he spent a lot of time doing East Coast Indies. He's probably got some food spots in Newark he wanted to check out between shows. You know, so, yeah, you got to put Joe on pretty early so he can he can take the boys out to the best slice in Newark. (laughs) Was okay. Dalton Castle has kind of reemerged in the calendar household. Um, And it's because of a clip. I couldn't tell if it was from a recent ROH show or it was something that happened a bit ago. Mm. But it's a clip of him. One of my all time favorite things in any pro wrestling is when a wrestler walks down the ramp and you can just tell they're talking and you don't know what they're saying. Like when Hulk Hogan would just be pointing and saying shit to whoever's in the ring, but the cameras were shittier back then and you couldn't hear. He was just hollering. But with this Dalton Castle coming down the ramp and saying like, at the end of this, I'm going to win the ultimate prize of $25,000. And then I'm going to the farmer's market and I'm going to buy everything. I'm going to buy fancy jams and ferns in a pot that costs $50. (laughs) (laughs) Dalton's one of the all-time great characters. I, we may have, we may or may not have told the story in the podcast, but the first ROH show that Fax took me to, Best in the World 2015. Dalton was on second, probably. Just like on Friday. And uh, immediately, (laughs) Fax and I and his friend Adam were like, this is our favorite wrestler. Where do we buy his (laughs) t-shirt? Just frantically Googling where we could buy Dalton Castle merchandise. And and Adam may or may not have a firstborn son named Colton, which may or may not be named that because his wife wouldn't go with Dalton, so he combined Dalton and Castle into Colton. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like if Dalton Castle had just come out a little later, like, he could have been one of those, like, Orange Cassidy or Danhausens. It just, it feel like he never took off in the way he should have. Or just been healthier, right? Because, right. I mean, that was... That's true. I will say, one of my feedback... I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on Ring of Honor this episode. But it was a solid show. Probably one of the lesser... Probably the the least of the Ring of Honor pay-per-views in the Tony Khan ownership era. But that's a pretty high bar because all the shows have been really good. Um, well, kind of looked a classic, right? Like, I mean, the first definitely... three are unfair to compare it to because they were basically sold on... Briscoe's FTR is going to be five stars plus and everything else is gravy. Well, and to be fair, I think that this one had a four-way tag title match that probably could have been as good as the last multi-man ladder match for the titles, which was was not five, but it was really good. This one just didn't get as much time. It's it's weird. Even Ring of Honor has now gotten to card inflation so that like nothing gets enough time except for like the two main <laughs> events. Um, and the women's title match was awesome. It was the best Athena match I've seen outside of, like, since she left WWE. Um, and if you guys know anything about facts, that is the nicest I, thing I've ever heard him say about Athena. I hate her. I do, but I love Willow. Um, and it was really good. And Willow lost cleanly, I think. Um, and I still enjoyed it. The men's title match was also awesome. Claudia, I mean, but not as good as the, the Briscoe FDR matches, to be fair. But like, it just like 
Claudio just beats the ever living shit out of Pac for like 16 minutes straight. And like Pac, it's not like a squash or anything like that, but like he, it really looks like, I think Claudio legitimately doesn't like Pac in real life, (laughs) how hard he's hitting him, which we all love. Right. But I did want to say Dalton Castle, honestly, I would say he kind of famously was like his health kind of started going downhill right after he won the world title from Cody. Yeah. Horrible timing. And he's kind of never really been a hundred percent since, but um, he's been wrestling like every week on ring of honor. They've been doing this tournament that he won to get him the title shot against Joe. And he's been wrestling every week and he looked great at the pay-per-view. He like, it's the first time I've seen him since probably 2017 or 18 that I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm like, I, I have no notes. Like he seems physically fully doing it and his character work is of course never uh, retreated at all yeah yeah i mean if anyone had strokes of bad luck around the formation of AEW, dalton castle breaking his back basically right when he should have been becoming like a star and getting signed by AEW was pretty unfortunate for him i would say it, he's number two only behind um the girls Marty Skrull slept with not having the timing to be 18 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but now Marty Skrull gets to see the world. That's true. He gets gets parts of it. (laughs) Puerto Rico, Poland, Queens. He keeps ending up in Queens. What does it say about Queens? They're like, (laughs) he's wrestled here. I think I just saw something. He's going to do an appearance in Queens. Queens at Queens is apparently accepting of Marty Skrull and Poland. Queens, Poland, Puerto Rico, and Dubai. And you're and you're a Queens boy, right? So I am. You, you're the mayor of Queens right now. How do you how do you speak on this? What's your? I mean, CMLL is not booking him or AAA. Right. Like he's he's banned from Mexico, but Queens. <laughs> you know, Queens has always been a melting pot, and. You know, part of that pot. I don't know, guys. I well, I will say this. I think, Chris, you would agree. I think that Queens has kind of become the um, the the kind of city city's kind of best indie scene is Queens. And partially mm-hmm. that's because Queens is the most lawless of the of the boroughs in terms of like wrestling commissions like brooklyn and and manhattan there actually are some rules whereas i think in queens it's just kind of like they let you they let it fly no one's checking anything just bring in marty skrull it's fine set a table on fire totally fine i'm surprised set a table on fire and put marty skrull through it maybe i don't know sure You know what would be great is if AEW, if we find out that the elite guys are still actually friends with him and if, like, they can't publicly support him for obvious reasons, but, like, they've been kind of politicking to Tony Khan to, like, let him at least get, like, a shot. And, you know, come on, Tony, you should at least buy Kenguin. Well, they they, (laughs) just buy the tape library. You don't have to pay him. (laughs) No, but they bring him in for a one shot and just have Jade just squash him. That's how they bring back Jade. Match. They apparently uh, there Billy was, Starks actually. <laughs> the NWA tweeted whoop whoop this week, and people seem pretty convinced it's either Marty Skrull or the ICP. Ooh, I kind of don't. The ICP wrestling comeback, yeah. 
they've got to be what in their fifties now? Like, Prob- yeah. yeah. And uh, Violent J has health problems. Like they yeah. said that they're not even going to be touring as much anymore. But the NWA, <laughs> because they're going to be opening for Smashing Pumpkins and wrestling. <laughs> it's it's because you know he won't get an MRI because magnets. What do they do? <laughs> um. By the way, it's funny on Billy Billy Corgan was on Conan O'Brien's podcast this week, and of course he did have to plug his upcoming Pumpkins tour. That there will be the world, the, the nation's oldest wrestling promotion, doing a wrestling show before almost every Smashing Pumpkins show, and uh, I love that because you know Chris and I have been to several Pumpkin shows together. I've seen the Pumpkins. I don't even know how many times. Probably about a dozen. They're legitimately one of my favorite bands that well, well predates Billy Corgan's involvement in anything wrestling related. So I've been to a lot of these shows. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of overlap in like the 48 year old still goth and pro wrestling. But I I, want to see that just to see how awkward the audience reacts to it. I might the need, is, if, if they bring that show to New York, I might need to join you, Facts, and bring back aggressive drinking during shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've really cut down, but, you know, that it's, sounds like one where it's got to be like, all right, Long Island iced teas for Chris. It's it's almost as though Billy Corgan heard that I got cancer, but that I'm, like, 23 years too old to get a Make-A-Wish. <laughs> so he's just giving it to me, and he's just, like like, elbowing me, like, Facts. I know you don't get a make a wish, wink, but we're gonna have you know, uh, an an NWA. I'm gonna have random members of the Morton family wrestling before a pumpkin show. <laughs> that, that oh, oh, in our new scenario and, uh, at an NWA show, but I have been to a few of those. It is you're you lucky if you get a Morton. <laughs> Well, you, hopefully you get a Morton because you're definitely getting all 33 tracks on the new Pumpkins album. It is <laughs> it is dense. It is a dense record. He Billy Corgan's just like, oh, wait, people like he just found out that people don't buy CDs anymore. And he's like, oh, 74 minutes. We don't need to. That's not like a thing anymore. We could just make it however long or short we want. All right. I'm going to do like 72 tracks. And then he ran out of money, so he just released the first 33. How many people are left in Smashing Pumpkins, original members? Well, they all kind of filter in and out, kind of presumably when they need money. So I think right now, honestly, I don't know that any of the originals other than Billy Corgan are with the band. Uh, I don't That's what I thought. Because this tour seems pretty big. I mean, you have the openers of Pro Wrestling and Interpol. And uh, Chris is going to drink the Long Island ICs, piss his pants during Interpol, and throw up during NWA. It look, I mean, it looks like it looks like James Eha and Jimmy Chamberlain are still oh, yeah. in the picture on Live Nation, but I don't know what that. It's so, possible they've left the band since then. So, so actually, surprisingly, we were dead wrong. Darcy is the only one of the famous pumpkins that is not currently with them. That oh. it's it's yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain, uh, James Eha, and Billy are all uh, in the current incarnation. I'm trying to confirm if the New Jersey show is going to have wrestling or not. It's at the PNC Bank Art Center, facts. So that's that's a big, like, that's a pretty big outdoor amphitheater. So it is actually, ideally, the perfect 
physical layout for a combined wrestling plus concert. It is also a pretty big venue. So you can, um, I mean, they could probably get ten to 15,000 there, honestly, at capacity. Like well, capacity, like, I think, is even bigger. You could put, I think, I think theoretically, it could be 20,000. Yeah, because I remember- That's I like saw, maxed out. I'm trying to remember. I remember seeing, I saw two shows there in a week a few years ago, and it was like Weezer and Fallout Boy one night, and then it was Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson the other night, and both of them were like crazy crowded. I mean, it says every show is going to have wrestling facts, so we'll talk about this. Maybe we're going to have to make uh, Yeah, I don't know when he recorded with Conan. Maybe he hadn't, you know, gotten the talent booked for everything, but now, you know, he's got to get the money's worth out of these contracts. He's, he's indeed, indeed. Where's yeah. the ring? Is it? I know I saw some videos of shows where it looked like the ring was at the back part of an arena for some of these. But, like, I'm seeing here, too, that in Nashville, they're playing Franklin at an amphitheater. So there's nowhere near like an, outdoor, the state. an outdoor amphitheater. Yeah. In a rock quarry. Um. I'm imagining it would be just by kind of the entrance. Like imagine yeah. like they're playing Jones beach and Jones beach. Like there'd be nowhere to put the ring in the amphitheater. You'd just have to put the ring like in the back area where you come in. Like you could easily do yeah, it there. Like at PNC, the way I would imagine, I, I like a lot of these amphitheaters are kind of the same from the ones I've been to. Right. It's almost like you come in and it's like a massive like barbecue and beer garden. And then mm-hmm. you walk through that to get to the actual place that the music is. So yeah, I feel like you just plop that right in the middle to give people something to watch while they're, you know, getting their cores lights and, their uh their ice pop energy drinks and uh you know half burnt turkey burgers they're they're going with Interpol and Rival Sons in in uh in Jersey and Nashville also also Interpol and Rival Sons other dates though rivals... include Jane's Addiction and Stone Temple Pilots and and that's um that we're wrapping up uh, this episode of uh, what's Billy Corgan? What's Billy Corgan up to? <laughs> so, wait a minute, fact. I'm curious. So you had to go all the way from 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 your place to Trenton to see the ROH yeah. show. Trenton is kind of far. It's about um, an hour. It's, it was a little over an hour because it was like rush hour traffic and about an hour home. Yeah. And Trenton's kind of a sad place. You know what they say? What Trenton makes, the world takes. So it doesn't yes. have much left. Um, would you say it was worth the trip? So, well, so again, Andrew and I were discussing on the way that the ticket and we had literal second row of, so basically the back of the floor, right? Because we had the second row of the low level seating and our tickets each were cheaper than it costs to buy the pay-per-view, right? And you so, were, so you stole a code from the Boy Scouts, right? Is that what it was? You got the no, Boy Scouts no, section? No, no, no. We, we got the Boys Club section, although we didn't steal the code. Apparently, the Boys Club was selling them on the side. And when, when my friend <laughs> Andrew had looked, he said, oh, I, I think our row is going to be empty. Because when I, I looked at the tickets today, they uh, like our entire row was still empty. Like you, They were still selling those tickets. But yet when we got there, and we got there before zero hour started, I want to be clear about that. Every single other seat but one in our row was already had a human being in it. So, had a boy. No, they were 
couples mostly, I would say. Yeah. They didn't appear to be well. It looked like people ready to meet boys. It yeah. was just the creepiest fucking section in this well, wrestling. They're definitely gotcha. so the people behind us. There definitely was. I I didn't get a look at every there. Like I would say the overall arena, and then certainly our section was a lot of dads with their kids. So you'd have like two dads just tying it on with their kids, and like kids that clear like and the dads were actually clearly wrestling fans and knew everything, and the kids just didn't. So, like, I think there's something about, like, oh, I'm going to take the kids to a show at the arena in Trenton. And then mom is just like, oh, it's probably like Sesame Street Live or something. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's uh, it featured, you know, a match with uh, Vincent, you know, bleeding profusely from razor blades in his head. <laughs> and daddy and daddy came home smelling like tequila. Yeah. <laughs> So, to be so fair, I, he smelled like tequila before he got there. <laughs> so yeah, I got kind of a mid ROH PPV. And then Chris, you got kind of a mid um, and I couldn't go. Obviously, like when the tickets went on sale, as, as listeners know, I w- didn't know if I'd healthy enough to go to this collision. Um, but then I, I just actually had plans, so I couldn't go. But it, it seemed and like you were colli- in Booten. So I mean I, I, I was get a, it. I was in Booten in the state championship. That's much better. And um, of- legitimately, they they announced when I was looking at the the Jersey Transit map as I was getting there, they mentioned them at the Montclair Booten line, and I was yeah. like, "Man, why am I going to Newark and not Booten?" And what's Booten's slogan again? It's not "the world takes." It's it's where you're always welcome. Is that it? Something or, like that. Where your story, your story begins. begins. Your story- where your story begins. <laughs> and that's how I I won a a tournament and became mayor. Um, but yeah, like I I it's funny. <laughs> we were texting with Garrett. So Garrett has hadn't been watching a lot of these collisions live since the show started. And I I actually said, and I guess this was the jinx, like, oh, collision is the best wrestling show on TV in the last 30 years. <laughs> and it honestly, like every week has been a banger until they got to Newark. And then they, until were they like, got to Newark. They were Which, I, this was not a this wasn't a bad show. Um I have some notes, but <laughs> No, it was like a, a very mid show. It was a solid AEW show, but it's coming off of like four straight weeks of at least one five star match on Collision. It seemed like right. No one's gonna remember this show in a month. I frankly, it was four days ago, and I'm trying to piece back together well, what happened. I mean, unless Three years Ace, from now, unless Ace Steel bites Ricky Starks, right? <laughs> then. Three years from now, you're going to look back at the card and realize that Terry Funk wrestled twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. No, the, uh, well, so so I, I like, just like the, just like the dads in Trenton, I took my daughter to, uh, um, to collision in Newark. Um, jerseys for the kids. Jerseys for the kids. Well, you should excited. You should have brought her to ROH because her favorite tag team was actually at the, the Trenton show. Don't rub it in, Vex. <laughs> they won the titles. Yeah. We watched that match in the afternoon, and we were very excited because we figured that the ROH champions would all at least be in on the ROH show. The ROH champions capacity. who were in the state of New Jersey. Right. And normally live in Australia, about right. as far away from New Jersey as you can get. Mm-hmm. Less but than while, an hour drive. Less than an hour drive from where they were the night before. And if they had done of the TV show, 
And as we've already established, if they had done that drive Friday night after the ROH show, they would have gotten some of Samoa Joe's favorite pizza. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So, we showed – so, Matt, was very excited. We made a sign. We had a sign oh, no. that said Aussie Open, and there are pictures. <laughs> there are pictures on this. Here's so I have I have two I have two notes for Tony Khan here. First of all, they said the bell time was at six. They didn't start till six thirty. They could have gotten gotten at least a half hour more of the ROH bullshit in before. That's a minor note. The second thing is if you're gonna do ROH after the paper after the the main TV show, at least tell us who we're gonna see. At least promise us so, so that if we know that it's not going to be that. Because do you know how many – do you know – Garrett. Garrett, I watched a Big Bill match. <laughs> oh, wait. Big Bill and ROH? Yeah. Oh, boy. What's that's that like? going to be a good parent. I watched a You're Big great Bill dad. match. You're a great dad. You took your daughter to see Big Bill. Not every dad does that. And what would you smell like at the end? <laughs> disappointment disappointment <laughs> smelled of the disappointment well, I think and sweat always, it was hot in there they should also start these things earlier because they just go so late whether it's a friday night or a weeknight it's like start earlier because like we all leave we are hardcore fans we have a fucking wrestling podcast and i don't think you or i let alone both of us have actually made it to the end of an aew show that's not a pay-per-view in like two three years and those mutants yeah. that are willing to stay till the end, they're the same mutants that are there at five. Right. So that when the door opens at 5.01, they can immediately go to the merch stand and get to their seat. They're in their seats ready for wrestling at six. You're probably going to get a better reaction out of them at six than you're getting at like 12.30 or whatever mm -hmm. the hell the last ROH match goes on. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then it's... Um... The other thing, and I, I, the other note I'll just make in relation to this. So Bobby Cruz, ROH announcer, mm -hmm. friend of the show, joined yeah. us on uh, when, when we did ROH trivia during the pandemic, was on our team, and I will point out was very nice. Told us some very funny stories in his Boston accent. And but very good at ROH trivia, by the way. He excellent excellent at ROH yeah. trivia. He's very, very good memory. Um, but he said afterwards that there were going to be champions of ROH in in the second section of the taping, Athena came out. That's fair. That's one. That's a singular champion, Bobby Cruz. When you said champions plural, I thought there'd be more. Sweet no Lord, former and actually, champions. Just to really to really rub it in, I, I get back and I'm like, man, like we we stay. And I will point out, uh, without turning this into a parenting podcast, my daughter was good until like ten forty five, which is very very late for her. Until finally, she was like, Dad, I'm tired. We should go home. And I'm like, I I agree. And I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think Aussie Open's coming out. Um, when she's in therapy years from now, she's going to be like, it was 1045 at night and he was making me watch somebody named Big Bill. <laughs> he kept saying that he thought Shibata might be teaming with Aussie Open. but uh, <laughs> And he kept taking out these little baggies of white powder and then shoving them in his pee hole in his zipper. <laughs> I don't know what that. I still don't know what that's all about. <laughs> um, but Garrett, Garrett had the, had the call to say to me, "Well, Chris, at least you got to see Dalton, right?" And I was like, "No, Garrett. Dalton was in the last match. Probably went on at eleven forty-five at night. <laughs> I'd been gone for an hour. They they're really giving him the sweet spot. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he and the boys were beating up Serpentico and well, friends at eleven forty-five at night. In New York. <laughs> no, and and again, Chris, like we, you and I are friends with many of these mutants, right? We there sure. are people. So like we had we have a group that's like kind of the local tri-state area nyc area kind of group of people that like we go to shows with we buy tickets together yeah how are friends from melee yeah how many how many in our group were at that show collision uh like five right angel lewis and uh and and andrew was there and and uh our pal jesse yeah all of them yeah plus their kids jesse with it well jesse brought his kids uh angel didn't but Okay, but I'm just saying. So that so if you count the kids too, like we're getting up to like close to ten, mm-hmm. right? And based on our ongoing, never-ending group text with with this group, it didn't sound like anybody made it all the way to the end. Andrew might. I think Andrew might have been there when I left, but I, even he might have thrown in the towel. He's pretty dedicated, but he might have thrown in the towel towards he's, the end there. Yeah, he's pretty dedicated, but he also he was the one that went with me to ROH the night before, so he was out pretty late. Yeah, he didn't get home till pretty late on Friday, and he already got some Dalton. So he was at nine hours of wrestling in in two days at that point, which even by our standards is a lot of wrestling, especially when a bunch of it involves Big Bill Serpentico and Serpentico. But you know, this is actually our first podcast since Blood and Guts happened. So I will say that while it wasn't the best week of wrestling in New Jersey history, no, um, no, all the good stuff happened in fucking Boston. Yeah, it it did come off of a really banging week where we had just so much good wrestling, which was one week before in, you know, the majority of it was in Boston. And uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, the Man. one thing I'll say about Collision before we talk about Blood and Guts is that I, it does, if you're thinking about going to a Collision taping, it does kind of fly by the two-hour show, right? They just it moves, the matches are long and good. Um, and I, I, the two-hour show was enjoyable. And, and again, Maddie was still energized by the end of it, which is actually, you know, pretty impressive for a five-year-old. So credit where it's due in terms of Collision, yeah. although not particularly memorable, was an enjoyable show. Um, so if you're thinking about what was your main event, uh, CM Punk and Darby Allen against Ricky Starks and Christian. So, yeah, I mean, on paper, it was pretty good. And and the setup was nice. Like the, the, all four of those guys were featured heavily on the, on the show, by the way, we're, uh, dynamite is on right now. And we have Chuck E.T. coming to the ring for the main event. Uh, and by the the way, I wasn't really paying attention since we were talking, but, uh, Taya Valkyrie and, uh, Britt Baker, that match looked pretty good from what I was. So was Darby and Shane. Like those two did some crazy shit in that match. They're like, "Oh, we're out of Jersey. Let's let's start working again. <laughs> let's try. <laughs> um, let's, tr- let's try hard, guys." But so Blood and Guts, I thought I thought Blood and Guts was really good. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the end was one of the best modern war games endings for me really? personally. I yeah, sorry. I loved it to from like a storytelling standpoint of that it was like a pretty definitive end of that chapter of like the blackpool combat club has to bring in kind of mercenaries and they don't really have friends and then the bucks and the golden elite and the golden lovers they all love each other and love prevails but they also do it in a way that sets up lots of other shit right that that you know Callus seems like he's setting up this new faction that has nothing to do with the BCC. Mm-hmm. And they look like monsters. Obviously, you set up Pack versus Claudio, which was a good match. But like, it just seems like they set up kind of a lot of stuff 
And and of course, you could still keep going back to members of BCC against members of the Golden Elite. Right. Although, again, a lot of those matches, other especially if Danielson's out for a while, mm-hmm. a lot of the bigger matches you'd gotten to already, right? Like, so they did, you know, Kenny and Mox again. They had obviously done Mox and Page a, a bunch of times. Yeah. And and the money singles matches left were probably Danielson matches, but it seems like he's going to be out for a bit. So that might be part of the, the thought there was, well, if we finish this, we can now spin the BCC back towards tweeners. And again, yeah, we can do like uh, a, t- a couple of tag matches out of this still. It doesn't have to end end here, but we've probably milked this in terms of main events for what we could. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I also, I love just, like, the little things. Like, I mean, Mox is a fucking animal, right? And we could do a whole podcast of just things Mox did in that match. Um, but I also love that, like, again, that, and, and I, Chris, you mentioned this, that it felt like an old 80s war games. That, like, oh, Mox is the one that surrenders because his little buddy is literally going to die. <laughs> like, they are going to literally murder Wheeler Yuda. And Mox is just like, well, I'm handcuffed. I, I can't help him. Everybody else is fucking gone. Claudio, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. And so I'll just try to make sure my little buddy doesn't get murdered. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much like some of the early war. Cause I feel like the modern war games finishes, for the most part, have gone to this sort of like, especially the WWE ones where they like remove the top so that they can do some big spot. Although even eight and even AEW even without with having a top on the cage has found ways to just sort of make this about, you know, Jericho falling off being the ending as opposed to just one team beat the shit out of the other until someone had to give up or die, um, which is the old, I mean, you look at the first 87, 89, the, the closest analog to the finish is actually probably 91 when uh, Ellie Gante gives up for Brian Pillman because uh, Sid Vicious has like, power bombed uh pillman into oblivion but that like that to me really worked that it really the escalation of violence was such that it again one team had to give up because they could not or else again or else something bad was going to happen yeah and i'm glad they went with that finish because you know mox definitely pitched him actually dying as the finish (laughs) he's like just have kenny uh just kill me and they're like oh like hit you with a really strong lariat like no make my vitals cease to function so that i'm deceased have they ever ended a match with a gun (laughs) hey you remember you remember that brian pillman thing with the gun what if we did that but like real and live How many times did 50 Cent say he got shot? It is possible to survive it, you know. Like, I can do it. I'm not a pussy. I mean, Tony, you called it blood and guts. What do you expect? Let's get some guts. I've already got the blood, but we have we seen guts? Think about it. I like that every single one of these, they have presented me with a new spot that I haven't seen in one of these matches yet. Mm-hmm. Like I, they haven't recycled much between their version of war games and thank you everyone for not, cause I watched it maybe a day or no, I watched it. You watched it like two or three days I, later, I think. Yeah. yeah. I watched it a few days later and nobody spoiled the bed and hills for me. Yeah. So and that, that was awesome. made an, Like we that were texting. I was surprised. So me and Chris had a side text cause 
like it seemed like based on our group text that it seemed like you weren't watching so we basically started leaving like spoiler free texts in the main thread of like oh fuck mox is a sick fuck (laughs) and then we had our specific stuff we kept on the side because and the bed of nails i'm like oh i can't wait till hear what garrett thinks about this how'd you feel about bed of nails garrett i love bed of nails bed of nails or bag of glass I normally I'd go bag of glass, but better nails when you're like, well, Moxley's getting thrown into this, but no, Kenny Omega gets drop kicked into it. And not only does he get drop kicked into it, it falls off and catches his arm in a really gross way on the way down. Yeah. I did not expect Kenny to take that bump at all, but and then the I body slam it. onto it where you can see yeah. the puncture marks in his back. Kenny Omega is fucking down to do stuff. I mean, we've seen Kenny Omega have like three death matches now. Four death matches on well, AEW. Yeah. Well, one maybe, impact. Maybe it's like, well, he can't do Osprey again in the Tokyo Dome because they want Osprey in, in the title match. So he's like, he wants Despy. And so he's trying to just Ooh. get Despy's attention. Do you think when they explained to Abushi that um, he was going to get to come back and do Bed of Nails? that he began to weep and just hugged Mox and Kenny. Like, just a big group hug. like <laughs> And, like, held on a little bit too long. Like, Mox and Kenny are like, oh, good. That's cool, Ibushi. We're in. Ibushi just well, kept holding. Did you guys see the Ibushi video on the social medias the next day where he just, after the match, cameras aren't on. He flat-backed. just flat-backed onto the bed of nails. <laughs> for the, not on TV, just for the local Boston audience, I guess. <laughs> He and like thumbtacks, right? He left yeah. thumbtacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, thumbtacks, like... and he was bleeding for sure. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, this this Sick match, bastard. I don't think, and like I know it's it's there's a ton of people and stuff like that, but this match just fucking motored. Like I love the fact that Dynamite was only three matches. Once again, it's like our third or fourth hour long match on AEW television in a month. And it went by so quickly. Like I did watch on like a, maybe a 10 or 15 minute delay just so I could fast forward through commercials, but I watched it on the DVR and I didn't fast forward through the commercials with picture in picture. Cause there was just so much good shit happening the entire time. And when at one point they're like, Oh, we're going to take our last commercial break. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> don't go another hour. Fucking cancel rampage. Just go another hour. It's crazy that, they can they keep giving us essentially this pay-per-view on a Wednesday once a year. Well, it, twice I mean, a year, they, right? Grand Slam. Grand Slam is a more traditional pay-per-view. This is the War Games pay-per-view. It, yeah. This is I it's and very what happened to fight for the fallen? Did that leave with Cody? They don't do it that. Might have. Because I don't think they've done it this year. They haven't announced a, f- a fight for the fallen. I think they did one last year. Where's winter coming this year? Winter always comes to Texas because it's more <laughs> devastating in Texas because they don't have a power grid. So a show so fucked up, it's going to get Ted Cruz to leave town. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think, by the way, you're talking about like a just willingly doing a bump on the bed of nails is like, you know, you know that Matt Tremont saw that and was like, Hey, hey, Bushi. Uh, <laughs> how about uh? So next year, eighth anniversary. 800 light tubes. 
What do you say? And Ibushi, Ibushi in, uh, in Japanese is like, are you in a hospital? Mechimon's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Most Boop. honorable tree monster. <laughs> I would love it if it turns out that Tony Khan has not and does not ever sign Ibushi. They just had a deal of like, listen, you know, it'd be too much flack. New Japan said that like, we'll never be able to do the Forbidden Door ever again if we sign you to a contract. So all I can do is like, I can crease some wheels and get you some immigration papers and get you into the States and get you set up here. And like three months from now, he's just working at American Hamburger. <laughs> not and not back in into the, the deep fryers <laughs> like he's working as a fry chef during the day and then going against necro butcher in the evening it's just every every third every thursday night at american cheeseburger it's koda bushi versus dilf boy <laughs> Ooh, i would love to see koda's striking of dilf boy he's cinematic <laughs> They should send Christopher Nolan in to, to, to tape, you know, record that one. So you brought up something just a minute ago, Chris, that made me want to mm-hmm. uh, ask you something about the, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view or taping you saw. Um, so I saw that Matt Tremont and Becca had another fight for like the the independent wrestling title, like whatever oh. the IWTV title is. Mm. Um, I haven't gotten to see it yet, but you saw Becca wrestle in Ring of Honor. Indeed, I I didn't see a ton of it. Uh, Maddie needed to go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Becca worked. Uh, was it Layla Hirsch? Okay, yeah, I think that uh, that sounds right. Is she like signed? Is Becca like signed, or is this more of like a tr- sample run thing? I don't think. Yeah, I think it was just. I, I think it was just like doing the tapings. It was Layla Hirsch. Um, but afterwards. Um, during the, uh, the ROH taping, um, they were doing, uh, Eli Isom against Josh Woods and it was not going great. And, um, (laughs) the guy behind us was just screaming, bring back Becca. We want Becca. And that's how we got beast man over too. So (laughs) yeah, that guy, I'm, I was with him. I was like, yeah, you tell him. Becca and Beastman as a tag team. Mm. That would be a hell of a team. And like they an intergender fit. tournament of a. Or no, just go like GCW. Just they're going for the normal tag titles, right? Like we yeah. don't. I well, especially if AEW doesn't have a women's tag titles, right? And they shouldn't, right? They've been hot garbage in WWF most of the time. WWE, sorry, most of the time. Just just let there be one tag titles, and just that's where intergender can happen. That's where. You know, maybe it's four women, maybe it's four men, maybe it's some combination. Just let it happen. Beastman and uh, Becca. World I feel like GCW also has really developed like an intergender tag team division, right? You got yeah. Maki Ito and Nick Gage. You got Delander and, and Cardona. You got Boosie. You got the Kirks. I think you got to add to this. You just add in Becca and Beastman Becca into and that Beastman. mix. Becca and Beastman against Boosie. I think we're all in for that, right? Beck East, man. No. Speaking of, like, you named a bunch of people. They've kind of started trickling in the uh, the matches for Homecoming, mm. which the last few years have been, honestly, like, very fucking good. Like, there's always yeah. something like, man, I wish I could be there. And this year so far, I, there's not been a ton announced that 
Like it seems like the biggest match right now is um, Ryder and Delander versus Mer- uh, Makito and Gage. Which I mean, is a pretty big match. Yeah. yeah, they've been building that for really since the last homecoming at this point, right? I mean, so. But are that we going deathmatch again, or are we? Is it just going to be a Who regular knows? tag match? That we don't know. I don't think. I think it's got to be a death match, right? Like, especially so. If it is the main event, uh, I think that that's a totally valid main event, even for that show. If it's a death match, but I think it has to be a death match. Like, otherwise, yeah. like if I'm just watching Gage in a regular tag match against well, Zack Ryder, I don't know how good that. Well, it. It doesn't make sense for the story unless it's a death match, right? Because they've been playing up to Zack Ryder saying how he'll never do one again and stuff like that. And like it kind of like just from a storytelling standpoint, it kind of has to be. I mean, here here's the card for night one of, of Homecoming, which is the main evening usually. Rina Yamashita versus Takashi Sasaki. Okay. Uh, for the death match title. The death match, ultraviolent, yeah. Vikingo versus Gringo Loco versus Commander versus Alex Zane versus Ninja Mac versus Ares, which oh, should fuck. be a pretty wild <laughs> yeah, six-way. That, yeah, it's pretty yeah. insane. Cardona and SDL against Maki Death Kid. But also seems like kind of a waste of Vikingo. It, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that's not... Like, I can't imagine uh-huh. his, his pay card is different if you put him in a singles match, right? I think with the six-way, though, you do have a shot for, like, a really memorable match with that group, though. That's that's the upside. Big spots, really blow people big away. big spots. Yeah, sure, but that's just a GCW. Like literally, I can't remember a single GCW six way ever. I love all of them. I don't remember any of them. Uh, I guess the, again, the goal would be weekend. that one. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. Fast. Like all in weekend, they had that big lucha match with like Black Taurus and everybody, and I I remember that very fondly. But you're right. Like I don't remember. I don't even remember who else was in it. So, um, Janella and Sawyer Wreck against Charles Mason and Paro in a double dog collar match. Ooh. Okay. Oh, and that's, that's another pretty... team. That's another team in the in- intergender tag team division in, uh, yeah. in GCW, of course, Janella and Sawyer. And Leon Slater Who's versus connected Alec to Price. who do you think? It has oh, to well, be. Uh, yeah, by height, by height, you got to think it's Janella and Mason and then Wreck and Paro. That's well, and by story cool. that makes sense, but I feel like they gotta do the heel screw job that somehow he rigs it so that it's Paro with Janela, and th- and then that makes good storytelling because then you have Sawyer Rec just destroy him, right? Like his plan backfires because Sawyer Rec just absolutely levels him. Hopefully, I mean, again, it seems like a good show. I'm with you, Garrett. That again, I think there's still not a lot of momentum towards any of that other than. Again, the Cardona match. Um, I mean, they just announced they're doing Brooklyn again in September, um, which will be the first one GCW show I'll be able to get to in a little bit. I'm, I'm again, I mean, I'm, I'm, it looks like a fun venue last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the G1 will be over. Maybe they get Zack Sabre back or something. Uh, well, uh, speaking of, where are you at on the G1? I heard that uh, Ishii versus um, Eddie was really good. Okay, I have not seen that. That was from today. I haven't gotten to catch that one yet. But um, the G1's kind of been, it's been kind of a weird place. It's been kind of, there's been one match a show, roughly speaking, that's worth seeing. Um, But again, there's just kind of too much filler. And and I would also add too many dead crowds. Like they finally got back to Tokyo and the the show yesterday in Corican, which had um, 
Sonata against Kiyomiya main eventing was was good and the crowd was into it. But there were a couple shows where the crowd was really just sitting on their hands until like something interesting happened. But uh, if you're looking for stuff, because we haven't talked about this since the beginning of the tournament, I don't think so. If anyone's looking for stuff to watch, um, Taichi against Osprey from the first night was really, really good. Really interesting structure to that one. Um, and I feel like Osprey always kind of gets the best out of Tai Chi. Um, Shingo against Eddie Kingston, Ooh. unsurprisingly, was a delight. That's just on paper is one I got to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, tai Chi against Okada. They had a really, really good one against each other. Um, Eddie, uh, yeah, Eddie, Eddie probably against Ishii. I haven't seen it, later, but uh, Shingo has also wrestled Hanare in a pretty good one. and. Um, and Ishii in a match that, you know, Shingo and Ishii, you, you've seen that before. And it was, it's, yeah, it's, you like it. So my, my big question, because this sounds kind of like me just nodding along of like, yeah, but checking the boxes. Because like, this is what we talked about originally, right? That it seemed like all the best workers were all in one bracket, right? And so the question is, how, how have the handsome Sonata matches been? Like, is he looking like a world champ? Like, I know that they're not going to be as good as the Okada matches, but like, is he main eventing like just every show on that side? He's main eventing almost all, he's been main eventing almost all of them. Basically him and Okada, their matches have been last. And generally it's Sonata going on top. Um, What I've seen of those, I have not really been feeling, but he's also been working basically all of the undercard all of the young guys right he's worked against um shooter and hikaleo and uh suji and it's they've been fine but i honestly have not been that excited to see those matches and i've, I've generally been like flipping a few minutes in but then haven't is, really been catching me which is kind of curious that they would but like right you'd think that why not if you want him to dominate like why not put the guys that are like mid carters but can like really like ishii's a great example like we all know ishii's not gonna win the whole thing but he'll have a fucking load of bangers right the whole booking of that group with all the young guys has been really weird um the main three musketeers ones that they were guys they're calling three musketeers have done draws with each other shooter and narita and then Narita and Suji went to 20 minute draws, which were both okay, not great. Um, I guess the point they're seemingly establishing is parody that neither none of these guys are a cut above yet. But I don't know. I've not really been feeling the booking there. It doesn't really feel like it's doing those those guys a lot of favors in terms of elevating them. I think it would have been more beneficial if they were going out there beating, you know, even if it was you know, Tonga Loa and Chase Owens or whoever, but I don't know. Mm. So I, I, I kind of feel like my, my take on the G1 in terms of like, should you watch like what, sh- if you haven't been watching is if you look at the past cards and you go, that match looks like something I'd be interested in. Watch it. Cause generally the matches that I've been excited for have, have delivered. Um, but otherwise I'm a little bit like, just kind of wait for the quarterfinals. You know, or the last block night, which yeah, is I, only like a week or so from now. I think I'm probably going to use the same strategy because I haven't been keeping up with it at all. So I'm going to probably use the same strategy. I, I think I used last year or maybe it was two years ago that I think works, which is I'm going to jump in at the quarterfinals. I'm not going to worry about getting spoiled on anything because even if you know the final points in the standings, like that doesn't really change anything. Cause like any given match, like everyone wins at least one, everyone loses at least one. Right. So it's like, right. 
I kind of like can just watch like Shingo and Eddie Kingston. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter who goes over. Like, it's, and I'm not going to be able to guess who goes over because I'm not going to do that much math in my head. So unless somebody is literally undefeated going into the last night, which can sometimes happen, and that's like a big thing that they cover, like that's the only thing that's going to actually spoil me because I'm not going to watch every match of anybody. Right. Yeah, I was trying to do it with Eddie, but I, I kind of tapped out when he wrestled evil. Ooh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I will not be checking that one out. It's okay, guys. Don't. The one other thing I'll say, I feel, I don't know if he's still recovering. He had a knee injury, man. Tongaloa in his last G one, everyone was like, "Hey, Tongaloa is not bad. He's pretty good." Not been good this one. So mm. I think for some of these guys, the rating scale should be as someone who who's had surgery on their colon is. I, I'd have to rate them on how unpleasant my shitting experience was time frame after the surgery mm. so like tongaloa is like a month after where it's just big painful loads whereas yeah. evil <laughs> evil is like two days after where it's just constant diarrhea and i have to be on an IV so i don't get dehydrated and i'm quietly praying for death right yeah pretty much <laughs> that sounds about right How you been shitting, facts? Yeah, it's it's better. Getting better every day, you know, getting some of the fiber now. Uh, I've, I keep going a little overboard with the fiber, but uh, it's not causing any pain uh, in real time while it's digesting. But but there's definitely, uh, you can tell. You can tell the next day. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, So, I okay, over the weekend while you guys were watching hours of wrestling in New Jersey, I was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, mm. uh, doing dumb shit. And uh, I, how, okay, when you pass a stranger and they're wearing a wrestling shirt, how often do you react to that shirt to somebody? Like, not Pretty to not that good. person, usually to someone I'm with, right? Like, that's. But you don't do. like, like, do you have it in you that, like, if you see an NWO shirt, you kind of want to too sweet somebody in public? Because. Yes. You both know a thing. Especially um, during like 2018, 2019, I feel like the people in Bullet Club shirts, you just kind of, you throw up the too sweet to each other. Like in, if you're in a coffee shop, you're just like too sweet. Or, or I feel any, like that's gotten away. Any of the pre, like, that's another thing AEW kind of killed, right? Like, because that was even like Dalton Castle, like any of those like top, top indie guys, you'd be, because that was kind of like, oh, we're in members of the same club, you know? Whereas right. if you see somebody on the street wearing like, I don't know, a fucking Seth Rollins shirt. You're just like, oh, God. Well, I had an embarrassing moment at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Um, <laughs> so the <laughs> aren't all moments at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville embarrassing? I stepped on a pop top and blew up my flip flop. Uh, no, I I passed a guy wearing an nwo shirt and like i still have that in me like i miss the bullet club times where you could pass a stranger on the street and you know that person knows too sweet mm -hmm. it is really 50 50 with with nwo shit now you never know and the problem was i had just come from barbie so i was wearing a barbie shirt mm -hmm. at jimmy buffett's margaritaville mm -hmm. pass a guy a very Southern man in a NWO tank top, go to throw up a two sweet 
fucking denied. Horrible feeling. I got fucking burnt at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. But who is this guy, right? Because even if there's someone who literally hasn't watched wrestling since 2000, right? Like, wouldn't you still have that vibe? Because back in the 90s, we were too sweet in people in NWO shirts. Yeah. Like, there's no point in history that it wasn't the thing you did to somebody in an NWO shirt, right? Right. I think he didn't want to touch the guy in the Barbie shirt. <laughs> yeah. It is Tennessee. Yeah. It, it was. But at Dollywood, I saw a little boy with the most beautiful fucking Kenny Omega looking mullet. Oh. And he had on, a, had on a very cool LA Knight shirt. Was like, it Brian Pillman Jr.? <laughs> it's like, good. <laughs> recently released from his contract <laughs> hanging out at dollywood um the shirt looked like an old school like 90s scott hall shirt but for la night like i had not seen like these 90s looking wwe shirts and uh i told that little boy nice shirt man and he said thanks and as i walked away i heard his dad say that guy told you you had a nice shirt and uh I, that it- that kid made me feel better in a creepy way, or was dad like, see, I told you you should wear the wrestling shirt so we could talk about wrestling with everyone? He did. The dad seemed more excited that I complimented the little boy's shirt okay. than, He's like, yeah. than the little boy did. He's like, I got him. <laughs> he, I'm dressing that, my kid good. <laughs> I wonder uh, if they got a, a boys club discount for the movie that they were going to see after. Uh, they i'll tell you they weren't seeing barbie they're going to goddamn oppenheimer uh speaking of barbie minor spoilers uh i did see both i did the barbenheimer uh double mm-hmm. and there is a pro wrestler in barbie who's that i don't i don't know if you've seen there's a there is a cameo a surprise cameo do you mind if i spoil this it's two seconds of the movie yeah you can spoil it spoil away john cena's a merman Okay. Amazing. He shows up as a merman with beautiful hair. I think he's drinking a beer and he is with a uh, mermaid Dua Lipa. All right. John Cena. You know, it's a great movie and it was nice to see John Cena. Just he's down to do stuff. The way Kenny Omega's down to get fucked up in a death match. John Cena will show up and be in the Barbie movie as a, a merman. And that's funny because that like because now everyone by this point knows that Oppenheimer, um, Samoa Joe plays one of the scientists, and he's just wearing <laughs> the Samoa Joe trunks and no shirt and just which is the white scientist uh, coat thing, whatever those are called, smock over it. Do you think I do was you think the guy in the NWO shirt was um uh had was sad he wouldn't choose to meet you because he'd given up on wrestling when he heard that John Cena was a merman now. <laughs> he was just his heart was broken it's like these barbie boys like wrestling now and it's not cool and i'm wearing the shirt the day that this happened yeah it sucks they don't deal with that shit in pigeon forge <laughs> I, I it also it also strikes me garrett so when you got denied the too sweet there's a simple answer that i'm curious did you give yourself a self high five mm. i kicked him in the dick and I, I gave him Mr. That's Ass's the right finisher because I was sad about Mr. Mr. Ass made me cry this week, guys. Yeah. Because he thought about retiring? Did he not actually retire? 
Well, I don't know. He didn't. I haven't seen the, the comments. I mean, he, after he did it in the middle of a TV show. I mean, it kind of felt like. And he was crying. He's good. I had, to ex- I had to explain to Maddie why the man was taking his boots off. It means oh, he means not to wrestle anymore. <laughs> I did not cry. I did not cry during Mister Ass taking his boots off. It just took a really long time. It really did. He <laughs> he, but it didn't seem like he wasn't good at it. It just seems like, yeah, I'm taking off wrestling boots far harder than uh, I ever thought it was. It's also interesting to people watching. It's true. It's also interesting to explain to a child that these other men call this other guy daddy. (laughs) Daddy ass. Like what I am to you. (laughs) He's their daddy. Don't think too hard about that. She gets the scissoring thing. That's very intuitive. That's clear. Yeah. 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 But we'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out if, what they're where they're going with that. And we've got to watch. We do have to watch the show next week because I was explaining during. So the the FTR came out and she knows. Oh, Daddy likes FTR. You know, took a picture with them, and she's like, "Are they wrestling?" And I was like, "No, they're talking about the match they're going to have next week." Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, we should watch next week then." And I was like, "Yes, we should." Can we? She's like, "Can we go next week?" And I was like, "Unfortunately, that's in Connecticut, sweetheart. That's a little." We so, can watch on TV. By the way, I already got what's what else is happening at Collision this week. Is they are going to follow up on Daddy Ass. It's actually ingenious storytelling. Mm-hmm. He takes the he takes the laces out in Newark, kind of puts them in the middle of the ring, and then where does he go? To Booton, where his new story begins. Yeah. Oh fuck. Maybe he runs into Beast Man, Jimmy Lloyd. He's like, I'm starting at the bottom. My new story starts in this Elks Lodge. <laughs> Tickets for five dollars come here Saturday night. He's playing job and the Beast Man, but and and then he he plays a game of D and D onslaught with me in in the game store <laughs> afterwards in Booton Highlander Games. Check it out online. So, I we really breeze by. You said you went to state, the state tournament for uh, one of the games I play. Yeah. Do you like have a Letterman jacket? State championship. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I didn't win. I came, I came pretty close. I made, uh, I, I made uh, the top eight in the state after my showing in New York State was not good. But uh, no, but I'm gearing up for nationals. They're coming. I won't be on the show next week because I'm going to Gen Con, the gaming nerd paradise, uh, and um, I'll be there. Where the fuck's that at? It's in Indianapolis. And you uh, get, you're going to Indianapolis for a board game convention? Well, it's board and role playing games. Is Hamfest happening at the same weekend? Yeah. Is this in the bloodshed? Like, where are you? Where's It's in the football stadium and the convention stadium. It's literally the biggest thing that Indianapolis is known for. Like, it, it draws more people than anything in Indianapolis every year. Like, like th- there's hundreds of thousands of people that go to each day of this. You're lying. You're lying. You're, you're going to see the reader comments that everybody knows. Like, Gen Con is the Super Bowl of gaming. Okay. Yeah. We believe you, Fats. Yeah, I'm sorry that I called you a liar. I should believe my friend. And I shouldn't, like, you know, I, yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah. Are, is Scott Porter going to be there, and are you going to defeat him? 
Uh, no, he doesn't do the big actual kind of formal tournaments. Like he does like the charity things. Mm. This is too commercial for him, I think. Who's going to be the most famous person in that building to you? Is there like a board game player that you're like fucking Scuds McGee, the fucking Monopoly man of the South? No, because honestly, like most of the games I play a lot, the communities are pretty small that I know all the top players in the world. And like, I even know the game designers in some of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing would be like, I mean, obviously the biggest when he was still alive was Gary Gygax, right? The guy that invented Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I think maybe Richard Garfield. I I don't know if he's still alive. He's the guy that invented a bunch of games, including like Magic the Gathering. Probably, I think Magic the Gathering is the biggest game in the world. I think. Probably. Is there a common way that famous board game people die? Like, Not is there like a autoerotic asphyxiation? <laughs> that was what. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was wondering. Mostly in Indianapolis, <laughs> after after they got recognized so much that it was just. <laughs> I don't know, facts. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I've I've never seen these guys who uh, who run the board games, but I'm pretty sure the biggest game in the world is still Triple H. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's tough but fair. He's built. He's built. So he shows I, up, well, spits water in these people's faces. <laughs> I mean, he he can remind them all that they should go out and see some daylight because it's not all about the game, but how you play it. Um, and yeah, it looks like Richard Garfield, by the way, is still alive. All right, good for him. So, I don't know if he does event. Wow, and he's releasing small games still. Kind of weird. Uh, I would thought he'd be very rich and wouldn't need to do that anymore, but I guess those bastards at Hasbro squeezed him out of it. He d- or um, he does it for the love, you know, love of the uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call a real self high five. Uh... Where's that hot chick from Clute? I will say I I did a a dark. I I love Dark Side of the Ring, but I don't like the the one a week thing. So I I feel like at some point I end up just binging um, like several in a row. And I watched two in a row last week um, that were just all about Coke. Those are the uh, fun ones, right? There was, yeah. Well, first, so the the junkyard Wait. dog one, the junkyard dog one is like barely a story. It's like <laughs> meteoric <laughs> rise, then just so much drugs, just lots and lots of drugs. Like sweet lord, like even Jake Roberts is like this guy. This guy like drugs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um. But then they finally released the one on uh, one of my like favorite wrestlers, Adrian Adonis, um, which, first of all, there was a story in there that I had never heard before. So uh, do you mind if I spoil this for you guys? They, t- they talk about this at the very, very beginning of the episode. So, Go I'm for it. so uh, I think it's well known, right, that Adrian Adonis dies in a car wreck in Canada while because someone swerved to avoid a moose. It's a real story. That is, yeah, you that's and I true. talked about this a few yeah. episodes ago. Apparently, when the ring crew drove past and found that, like, there were, found that this had happened, apparently, some of the like 
like undercard wrestlers stole his cash and watch. And then Adrian's wife had them prosecuted. Good for her, because fuck them. Yeah. As wild. Do we know any of the undercard wrestlers? Was he even dead yet? Or was he like in urgent need of medical attention? They're like, eh, in a second, in a second, like rifling through his pockets. It appears he was dead. He was already dead by that point. They died. They seemed like they died pretty quickly. You die uh, quick in Canada. That's you, die, how... you, die, you die quicker <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing I took away from the Adrian thing, because they're talking about, so eight, the big story, you know, Adri- the obvious story about Adrian Adonis's career is that over the course of his WWF run, he gains a lot of weight, mm-hmm. right? He goes from being a somewhat bigger guy to a gigantic man. Yeah. But also... A blimp Levy, if you will. A blimp Levy-esque man, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also, much like the Junkyard Dog, doing insane amounts of coke. And they try to explain this. They're like, yeah, you know, when you do coke, you're like up for a while and then you like binge on some food and, you know, and that's nope. how he gained his weight. No, nope. but no, that's not how Coke works that's for normal a, people. Yeah. So the idea that he was, how much was he, like the amount, so how much Coke was he doing to get fired from the WWF in the 80s? That's a lot of Coke. But secondly, how much was he eating to be doing enough Coke to get fired from the WWF in the I, 80s and gaining weight while doing it? I, I feel like the glove box of his car was like the drawer Brendan Fraser has in the whale. It's just filled <laughs> with like full-size Butterfingers and stuff that he's just eating because he hates himself and he wants to die. Um, it turns uh, out you were actually watching an Artie Lang documentary and not... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what the whale is? Um, <laughs> it's a good one It's a, there's some good stories in there Bret Hart tells some crazy stories about times with Adrian yeah. I do wish Roddy Piper were still around because one of the things I always remember is apparently like they were really good friends and uh, there's like Piper had a podcast for a little bit like 15 years ago and he tells this story like deeply emotional like in, th- in that Piper way where it sounds like he's almost crying as he's telling it he's like Adrian, Adrian told me uh, you, you got to get a home, Roddy. You got to get a home, and and that's like I went and he's, paper Piper just like went and bought a house because he like needed to have a, a home and a place to go. Um, By the way, you have a, you have kind of a low key, really good Piper. Oh, no, that was really can... quite. Yeah, he's not yeah. wrong. That was quite good. I we've done a lot of these, and and you're pretty, that was solid, real solid. Did my best there. Um, the other fun thing I like, so Adrian Don is from Buffalo, right? And they tell some stories about him growing up and being home, kind of home like a, of American cheeseburger, home of American cheeseburger. No, Rochester, Rochester. Oh, home yeah. American cheeseburger. Damn it. Damn it's it. It's the same. It's the same. It's basically the same though. Yeah. Um, but they talk that they, they have a, a friend from his childhood telling stories about Adrian growing up and how Adrian was always kind of the tough guy and, you know, and then without explaining too much more, he's like, the guy's like, oh, if anyone ever owed me money, you know, like Adrian would take care of him or whatever. And then like casually they go back to this guy. He's like, oh, and I couldn't go to Adrian's funeral, you know, cause I was in a federal prison in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> did did yeah, they I, have anything nice to say about the bear wrangler? Uh, no, uh, no, no one had anything nice to say about the, well, he sounded like a decent guy, but they also tell some stories about the bear wrangler. Things were kind of going off the rails. Oh, he was a, he was a really good payoff guy. If you worked for the bear wrangler, he, there was good salaries involved, but a bear might murder you. (laughs) So, you know, 
I mean, cocaine, yeah. cocaine bear was based on a real story. So maybe right. it's, this guy had something to do with it. <laughs> so was Pope's exorcist. So That's he... true. As we found out. <laughs> um, yeah. Dark side of the ring. Like I'm sure I'll watch them all. I don't watch them in order. I kind of just watch them whenever I don't find them as essential viewing. I'm sure I'll watch them all eventually. Um, but it sounds like I've heard from multiple places the Adonis one was really good. So that's probably the next one I'll check out. And Bret Hart, do some good star power. Usually when you get good star power, it, it has good stories and stuff like that. So that does mean that if the next season they can get Bobby D to do the Jimmy Lloyd one, mm. um, it'll be the best episode ever. It's true. But, yeah. Um, the one that I thought say- that little boy, the little boy's doing a lot of cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> not that he does it in his uh penis hole. I don't know. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Am I surprised at where he ended up? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Um, <laughs> the one thing I'll say, I went back and watched a bunch of Adrian match. Is kind of inspired of a, a tape sitting around. The one, the the match I'll recommend. If well, two things I'll recommend. First, if you've never seen the cage match. Him and Savage against um, Tito Santana and Bruno San Martino from MSG. That is a super fun, like, 80s cage match. Like, they're really going at it. And actually, the, what I was watching had a great promo with the two of them where um, uh, Adrian, in, in his full adorable garb, is like, Elizabeth, I'm so jealous of your makeup. And Savage immediately cuts into, like, jealousy, jealousy, Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, oh, Savage is so good. Like, he just turns this weird thing. The other one I'll recommend, the Fax and I, so Fax and I on our old show, The Best There Ever Was, did an episode about Roddy Piper against Adrian Adonis from WrestleMania 3 with the Nobodies um, from Nobodies Watching Wrestling, which is just a fascinating thing because talking about gender politics and wrestling with people really focused and, and thoughtful on it was actually, I think it's one of our gender politics episodes. of like the early eighties and, yeah. and to modern. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I tend to, to over recommend stuff from our archives, but that, that's a good one. And, and kind of the, un, the unsung hero of WrestleMania three, right. Cause it's mm. like, it, it's the match that people don't really remember on that card. And there's a lot of matches people don't remember that card and they're okay to forget. That one's not. That's a, that is a, a nice culmination of a good story. Yeah. And it's how Brutus the Barber gets his clippers, right? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beginning of the, the beefcake. He's just Brutus beefcake before that. That's where he becomes the barber. It's like, uh, that was, yeah, that's that episode's kind of like a Star Wars prequel where it's like, do you want to find out how Han Solo got those dice in his mirror? <laughs> then watch this. Yeah. Uh, also, did you guys see Hulk Hogan got engaged? Oh, I saw where? he got in <laughs> on a beach, but it was um, during someone else's wedding, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I hadn't, seen, I hadn't seen that. No, no, that's story. actually true. Oh, okay. I, I didn't actually read the article, but apparently, Hulk Hogan <laughs> got engaged at a wedding reception for someone else. Hulkster's got to pose in the end, brother. He's like, speak now or forever hold your peace. Brother, I'm sorry. Can you just hold on? I got to say one thing. I'm sitting here looking at you. You look so beautiful. And Nob's like, thank you. And he's like, nah, you, Nob's. Uh, but I you look beautiful, to, too. <laughs> Speaking of, did well, I don't and, know if we And then we Brian Nob's comes in and goes, wait, did anyone order the clams? Did any extra clams? 
Did oh yeah, so wait a minute. About- and I'm looking. This is this is in newspapers, People Magazine, CBS Sports, New York Post, all of articles. It was at his now fiance's best friend's wedding. Whoa. Is when it was announced. Yeah, Hulk's always got to upstage somebody. Did we talk about that? Uh, our friend of the show, Lowell, sent me a picture of Brian Nobbs's butthole. And I've never been able to unsee this goddamn thing. It's a like, famous picture. If you've seen it, but Joey Janela's seen it. I mean, facts. Have you seen this? I don't think so. I have a feeling I'm about to, but I, I... I'm going to send this to the group chat right quick so that. What's is funny this... is I don't know how far back into my phone I have to go to find this picture of a butthole, and it's just going to be in the middle of a bunch of pictures of my baby. I, I hope you have like uh, something that like backs up all the pictures on your phone so that that way, like years from now, when you're looking at like uh, first year of Ozzy pictures, you'll run into that one. Is that Ozzy's butthole? No, 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 no. I <laughs> could fit in this thing. All right. We may have to do this next week. It's we'll going to do that, that weird thing with like iPhone where like it'll try to put pictures of people whose faces it recognized together and sometimes it gets one <laughs> off and it's gonna put like all your pictures of me and chris and then it's just gonna have the butthole picture there ah ah here's my question who do you think the best man is, is and is it knobs is it no son no, or no, no, is no. It, it's beefcake maybe it's beefcake it's it's, it's it's nick um i think it's gonna who's i think it's gonna be conrad because then he'll get Conrad to promote it and somehow and make mm. money out of it. It's it's definitely not Knobs because he's got to keep that alpha edge. You can't admit that he's your friend. Beefcake's always a possibility. I have a feeling he's going to have heat with Nick by then. Um, mm. So I, I don't I don't think any member of the Balea family can be trusted. You know, I think it, you're right. It's Conrad and the night before the wedding, Hulk main events against Ric Flair. It would be great if it was... Kill Flair. If it was AJ Delario from Gawker, like, you you got me here, brother. I don't even care how much the ex-wife took after you after I got that lawsuit money from you, brother. Right. You know, as long Peter as Peter Thiel, Florida, Peter Thiel should Peter be the Thiel's. <laughs> you know, as long as Florida man gets invited to the wedding, that's all I want for everyone. Yeah, we gotta crash this wedding because it's definitely at the re- his restaurant, and he's definitely not closing it. Right? There's no way he can just gonna turn down a day of revenue uh, for his own wedding. So, right, I think we can <laughs> we can probably make this happen. Yeah, I, I bet for fifty bucks a head, it's it's um it's all inclusive, all you can drink, all the clams casino you can eat, and uh, everyone gets to dance with Brian Nubs. Well, that, that's the thing Everyone is, it or has to. It's <laughs> we we will be three of about a hundred people that will buy the best man package, and then we will all be co best man, and we get to give like one minute speech each. Um, and my speech is just a recitation of of Macho Man Randy Savage's "Lust in Your Eyes" promo. And I and I just play like John Cusack and say anything only with "Be a Man." playing <laughs> all right 
I'm clicking on this. Oh, Google Save Google Safe Search is telling me not to look at it. Oh, yep, there it is. So he, uh, that's a more recent picture than I would have thought. I thought it was going to be something like from like the late seventies or something like that. But uh, how can you tell that it's not? Is it the I mean, quality of the? I think it's just yeah. The picture looks kind of quality and like, uh. I don't know. Knobs doesn't age really, so I guess that's hard to say. But yeah, he's got that really wide open. <laughs> it's awful. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. And like I've seen a man beheaded on the internet. Like this left that I don't think about as often as I think of this now. Eh. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, next week, Fex will be gone. He'll be in Indianapolis. And, he'll come back. And, and by the way, since many of you will probably be there, since it is so big and famous, and these are the only two that have hit me a line, Jimmy Fax or Jimmy Lloyd's IMDb page. Uh, I'll meet up with you at Gen Con. Chris and I will be here talking about pro wrestling unfortunately probably talking about buttholes let's be honest buttholes or penis holes big fan of holes on this show <laughs> indeed all right guys thanks for listening at predetermined podcast on instagram at gartet at at chris miggs at jimmy fax on threads <laughs> yeah get our get our get on threads we're we're dropping hot threads are we? Somebody I'll, dropping hot. I dropped uh, dropping threads. Yeah, I dropped. I dropped some threads. We'll drop some threads. Do you? You might legally have to drop threads. No, I don't legally need to drop threads. But uh, I, I hate Twitter. I just hate Twitter. It's so, called X now, facts. I just want no. The company is called X. The service is still Twitter. Okay, I'm very sensitive about that. Um, but yeah, like um, I yeah, I hate Twitter. So I just really want threads to become a thing. So that we don't have to deal with Twitter anymore. That's it. It, it just—it did just strike me that um, inevitably, um, they're gonna, Twitter's going to call something Ultimate X, and Impact is going to win a lawsuit, and they're going to be funded. Like the 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 resurgence of Impact is going to be funded by Elon Musk, or or XPW, and just somehow we're in a world that three years from now, Rob Black's the richest man on earth. <laughs> And the wrestling will be sweet. Because you know what people love more than electric cars is porn and cheeseburgers and pro wrestling. America, my friends. America. Hit our goddamn music.